We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Riggert. A pleasure to have you along. Let's talk to my good friend, Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record. Talk about some of the stuff that he's written. Talk some, I don't know, college baseball, college football, whatever we want to talk about. It's our show now. What's up, Noah? What up, Dave? How are you? I feel like I was on here for so long. I haven't been on in like a week. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that must be a problem if it's been like a week and you feel like it's been forever. But yeah, you're right. You were on for about uh, <laughs> three or four times a week, constantly for about a month or so. So hey, it's good to have you back. Exactly, good to be back. Has it slowed down a little bit for you now that uh, all JMU athletics are over with, and again a little RCBL VBL going on right now? But things have slowed down, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Pretty quiet time. You know, go to the beach later in the week and uh, kind of relax for a couple of weeks before you know. Things will pick up in July, so we got about a month before start picking up again. Well, I guess let's start with some JMU football. Obviously, with uh, now it's June, uh, there were some some workouts that began last week for some of the returning guys, and I think some freshmen are now on campus today. Some transfers are making their way. Some of the new guys that we didn't even get to see in the spring are now on campus, going to go through workouts. A lot of the freshmen have showed up, but um, I guess that's the sign that it is what June the fifth. So we're not that far away. We're less than two months away from the the season again. Practice getting started for the fall. So good to have some of these new guys on campus. Yeah, it is. Get everyone on campus and, and, you know, lifting together and, you know, start building some of that team chemistry. Well, you know, last year at this time, Tatante was on the field getting work. and Or not this time. Oh, yeah, this time. I can't lose, you know, my math and figure out what month is what. But, yeah, I mean, it's time for, you know, new quarterbacks to get working with wide receivers. The new guys, the freshmen come in and figure out what college football is all about. And the transfers come in, too, and, you know, start to adapt to JMU. So it's a good time. Everyone on campus, and you know, the coaches can't really do a whole lot on the field with them, but at least they get in the weight room and you know, work out with each other on the field and start running some rounds and things. Let's talk, let's stick with football. And you got to talk to chance, uh, chance to talk to Travell Mullen, who committed last week. Um, he has three older brothers that have played in college, um, two made the NFL. He's obviously got a pretty, <laughs> um, uh, a cousin, another relative that is pretty well-known in the National Football League and Lamar Jackson. But uh, tell me what you found out about Travell Mullen. This seems like a great get for the Dukes. It is. He's a you know football kind of guy. I mean, he, he, he's he been playing for a while. It's what they all did. I mean, he grew up in you know the Miami area where there's a ton of NFL talent coming out of, and he starts just you know naming names of guys he you know watched you know growing up. You know, guys like Jerry Judy and Calvin Ridley, both NFL receivers. So I think if you're He's defensive back. His three older brothers all played on college football. Two of them in the NFL as defensive backs as well. So you're playing against really good talent, you know, growing up with some of these guys who make it big. And he was saying, you know, college football is a thing that, you know, his two older, his three older brothers kind of set in stone as this is the standard you need to do. And, you know, two of them in the NFL right now, one went to Clemson with a two-time national champ, and he's in Baltimore with the Ravens as well. And then his other brother, Taiwan, was an All-American at Indiana, who's on the Chargers now. So a lot of uh, family talent. Um in the Mullen household. And this was an area that they could use some depth at with corner. Again, we, we talked in the in the spring about Brent Austin going down. He should be back in, in in the fall, but you can never have enough corners. You can never have enough defensive backs. And this was an area last year that was a little bit of a concern. And when you look at the defense, again, they've got at every level, they've got a lot of talent back. And they do at corner as well. Again, they, they were starting true freshmen last year at corner for a while, and now they've got some experience. But you had a guy like this in, and um, he could really be an instant impact guy at that in, in that corner room. Yeah, he is. He registered at Indiana last year, but before that, he was the number 19 corner of the country coming into high school in Florida. So 
he obviously can play. Um, and he's excited about having an opportunity to push for a spot. He was told, you know, they didn't promise him anything, but, you know, he was talking to, you know, Jared Hawley, the new corners coach at JMU, and he, he really liked him. I think that kind of, you know, secured it. And he's coming in with the chip on his shoulder and wants to play after, you know, sitting out basically at Indiana, being a redshirt, you know, scout team kind of guy. Um, but this is a position that's got a lot of former Power 5 guys in it. We really mm-hmm. kind of look up and down this this roster. Um, you have Antoine Booth, you know, who came in from Michigan State, Nakai Meredith who came in from NC State, and now, you know, Travell Mullen from Indiana. So a lot of good depth on the back end of this, you know, depth chart, and we'll see if anyone can kind of move their way up. Obviously, Chauncey Logan and Brent Austin kind of toward the top there. I mean, we'll see if we can, if any of these guys can kind of move up and join them, you know, at the top, just being so young. It's a really young group. Mm-hmm. If they can, you know, find a lot of good talent, this is, you know, in a couple of years, it's going to be a really, really good room. Because he'll have four years left, won't he? He does. He's got four years, so it's basically like bringing in a, a high school freshman. Yeah, and that's a big deal because, and we saw that with Nakai Meredith last year and Antoine Booth, that they had multiple years left. And that's a big deal in the, in the portal um, just because, again, it's it's much tougher to transfer a second time. Um, it could become easier, but in, in, if you graduate, it becomes easier. But this is big to, to have him kind of come in early, and we'll see what happens. But I, I feel like he's going to push for a lot of playing time, and who knows, he, he may end up starting. Yeah, he might. And, you know, this this shows the coaching staff really likes him because he's young and he has already transferred once. So now they kind of, you know, if things don't work out, you, you get stuck with them, right? So they really like, you got to really like the person to bring him in with four years of eligibility left because if somebody, you know, with the new rule happening in NCAA, if a player doesn't want to play anymore and they don't want to transfer and they stay at JMU, then JMU's on the hook for their scholarship till they graduate. So you got to really, you know, like who you've got coming in if they've got a lot of years of eligibility. And Travell Mullen's a guy who fits that, you know, category. And I think they're really excited for him to come in and, and push for playing time at least. You know, hopefully they see him on special teams next year as a redshirt freshman year. But we could see him, you know, come in and, and cycle through at corner. We're talking with Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record. He is the JMU football beat writer for that newspaper. And I guess some other news to, to kind of fill the spot that Jordan Swan left in that corner room. They, they added Travell Mullen. But, uh, I, I guess, and this is nothing against Jordan. I, I love Jordan Swan. He's one of my favorite guys all time that since I've been at JMU. And, but I, I guess he wasn't probably the bet to be the, the, the first guy out of this, this senior class to sign with an NFL team. No, again, nothing against him, but that's awesome for him that he's able to do that. But he must have shown out at the, uh, at the mini camp and everything like that. But that's awesome for Swan to, to get that rookie contract. Yeah, definitely. I think we talked, you know, off the air about, you know, who we thought would be the first one to get a contract. And, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, maybe Todd Tinteo would end up even getting drafted at one point. And uh, Jordan Swan, a guy who he didn't light up, you know, the, the stat sheet by any means last year. Really good corner, you know, two picks in his career at JMU. He forced a couple last year as well. Um, but he really did really well at the, the Ravens minicamp. Um, he went up against Zay Flowers, who's their first round pick at a Boston college, and apparently did well against him and did enough to turn, you know, head coach Sean Harbaugh's head a little bit. And he texted, um, Jordan's high school coach, who he knows and was really raving about him. So they knew the Ravens had a lot of positive, you know, feedback on him. He just had to wait for, you know, basically the numbers to shake out and have an opening at corner. And they brought him in. And so now his next stop is kind of, you know, try to try to make the team in training camp. Again, that's that's, uh, and I know you had a chance to talk to him last week, and he he knows Baltimore pretty well, doesn't he? He does. He, uh, he spent his last year of high school football at St. Francis Academy, uh, you know, a private school in Baltimore that you know produces a lot of talent. Um, not only in football, but in basketball, too. And uh, he spent a year there. He knows a lot of people in Baltimore. So he said it's kind of cool to end up back in the same place. He basically, you know, 
started, you know, basically start your college career coming out of there and end up, you know, bouncing around a couple times for laying at JMU. So he's happy to be back in Baltimore and happy to, you know, start his NFL career with a team that's, you know, one of the best in the, in the NFL. Have you heard anything about anybody else, Todd or KT? Um, anybody potentially still able to sign? I know it's it's a little late right now, again, because all the, the mini camps are going on, the OTAs are going on, and usually you kind of have your roster set or full at this point in time. But any word on any of those guys potentially getting picked up? Yeah, they all had, you know, workouts here and there, mini camp and private workouts, and nobody, you know, left with a contract. But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody – were to get a phone call, you know, between now and training camp and, you know, at least getting an invitation to training camp and try out there and see what happens. So there's a lot of time between now and then. I mean, teams got to go to 90 guys. So, I mean, there could be an opportunity for, for guys like Todd and or, or, you know, Chris Thornton or Percy, AJ Obese even. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of those guys end up in camp, you know, once August rolls around. Good time with Noah Fleischer from the Daily News Record talking some JMU football right now here in the offseason is, is a lot of guys have reported today. A lot of the freshmen have reported today, and they'll start their uh, summer workouts here um, probably today, I'm sure. Some of the veterans started last week. But last week, a set of start times are out now. The opener is going to be at 6 against Bucknell on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, they go to Virginia in week two. It's a noon kickoff on ESPNU. They'll play Troy in what is probably going to be a national TV game. I'm guessing NFL Network. We don't have that yet. Then they play Marshall either on ESPN or ESPN2 in October on that Thursday game. So we now know some start times. And as always, every game can be heard on the JMU Radio Network. Don't have to worry about that one. But um, some national exposure here early in the season with uh, with a lot of those games. And again, this schedule is is very daunting. It's much different than it was a year ago, but some national primetime games here for the Dukes. Yeah, that just shows you, right, what Jamie was able to do in year one and get to ESPN and things like that, thinking about it. Because, I mean, heck, the Virginia game against, you know, in the second week could have got buried on just, like, ACC Network Plus or ESPN Plus, something like that. But that made ESPNU kind of, you know, say something about JMU and, and what they can bring to the table. And that Troy game, not having a TV assignment, tells me it's probably going to end up on national television. I mean, they played on that NFL Network game uh, at Arkansas State a year ago. It probably is going to end up on that same situation, I'd assume, unless ESPN would somehow figure out a way to make it happen there. So that's good. I mean, Virginia at noon, I know a lot of people weren't really happy about that because tailgating is going to get cut short, but I know you and me are pretty happy with being home at a good time. I'm okay with that, no doubt about that. But, you know, we'll talk about this more once the season gets closer, but, but after that Bucknell game, man, at UVA, at Troy, at Utah State, that is, and then South Alabama at home. I, I know we talked about it when the season began, but the more I think about that, I'm just like, that is really, really challenging to begin. You're going to find out a lot about this team in the first month. Yeah, you will. I mean, that first month is daunting. And then after that, you look at Georgia Southern comes to town, then they go to Marshall, yeah. and then they finally basically get a break. I don't, you know, you kind of get a break in a way with ODU coming October 28th. So your first, what, one, two, three, Six, you know, six of your first seven games are all against really quality opponents, um, and they're all in a row. And I think that's going to be a tough stretch for JMU to show what they're made of, right, and uh, see what they can do, especially with that three-game road swing kind of to start the year in a way, especially with two of them basically going across the country. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, we'll find out a lot about this team. And it's good quality opponents. That's what they moved up to the FBS for, and we'll see what they finally get with it. We're talking to Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record, talking a little JMU football right now. We're going to talk some baseball here in a second. But you also had a chance to sit down with uh, Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill. And this was after, um, I guess it would have been last month now, when uh, when Jeff Bourne spoke with the media and kind of talked about everything that's going on and the success the Dukes had this past year in the Sunbelt now that all the sports 
are complete. Again, there's some Sunbelt teams playing in the in the baseball tournament right now, but all the JMU sports are complete. The, the, Jamie's the only school where every sport was 500 or better. That is almost impossible to do with all of the sports that every school has, but Jamie was able to do that. That's the, they're the only team in the Sun Belt, and I'm sure there's not many schools around the country that can boast that. Maybe some of the Power Fives, the Texases, and places like that, but um, in the Sun Belt, Jamie was the only school. And, and again, Commissioner Gill was not surprised with Jamie's success in, in year one of the Sun Belt, was he? No, I mean he's been on the the receiving end of some JMU, you know, losses, being the AD at Richmond and, and sharing a football conference with them in the CAA in the past. So he obviously knew what they were made of, and it was one of the reasons why, you know, he was a big advocate of getting them into conference, and then a big advocate of trying to get their waiver approved by the NCAA. And but yeah, it's, it's a tough accomplishment to have, especially with every single team finishing with a 500 record or better. Um, especially, you know, that's a, that's a consistent success across the board. Most most schools, you don't see that because they're really good at some sports and some sports are just not. And that's just, you know, college sports. I think it's how it rolls. But shows what Jeff Warren's been able to build kind of at JMU and having quality hires in the coaching staff and then putting together teams that are, that are playing quality schedules and playing well against a really good national competition. Are you even surprised by that? I mean, I... I guess I I shouldn't be just because I know the the success that they've had in the past, but going to a new league, a better league, just I, I <laughs> it's an amazing stat. It really is that they were able to do that this year. It is. I mean, they did it, especially in a baseball league like the yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, team, a league where they finished well above five hundred, you know, overall, and you know, had fifteen conference wins. I think that was the one spot that I was like, you know what, this might not, you know, be a winning year this year, just being in a really tough league and a and lot of top. Even teams, men's you know, soccer, that I mean, league. men's soccer is loaded, and they were able to get yeah. to the championship game of the, the postseason tournament to get to 500. So I mean, it's just there. There's some, there's some sports in this league that is just I didn't know that that would happen, but it's it's been that's such an impressive stat. It really is. Yeah, it is. I mean, when men's soccer is to play the number one team in the country, the number five team in the country in their conference play, it says everything you know about the Sun Belt Men's yeah. League. And they beat Marshall, the number five team in the country in the tournament, and you know played really well against Kentucky, who's the number one team in the country um, in the conference title game. And that would have been really, a really, really big win um, for JMU if they could have pulled that one out. It was close, and uh, just couldn't couldn't pull the magic off anymore. But I think it's really good for Paul Szczynski. And, you know, when that's a team that's you know, at the bottom, I guess, of winning percentage at 500, I think right. that's a pretty good sign for how healthy your athletic department is. Well, and that's one thing, too, when, when that, that, now it's sustaining the success. And, and it's one thing to, to do it in year one, and, and maybe some of these other Sunbelt teams didn't know a ton about you and just kind of went through the motions. I don't, I don't think that's the case. But, you know, now it's sustaining that success. But, Jamie's shown over the years that they can sustain the success. This isn't something that, I mean, that's why they waited to make the move to the Sun Belt. So I don't think there's going to be any issue sustaining this success either. No, I don't think there will. I mean, you know, maybe here and there, like football could, could not. I mean, it just yeah. depends. I mean, year to year and roster and things like that. But I think overall, if you look at the athletic department as a whole, Keith Gill said it too. He goes, can't see the future, but he's like, he knows for a fact Jamie will bring consistently good teams to the table in every sport. And I think that's, you know, what you want to see if you're a commissioner of a conference is to see, you know, teams coming in and bringing, you know, solid competition and be able to compete in every every single team sport out there and uh, even the non-team sports like, you know, track and field right. and, and stuff like that and swim and dive. So I think it's a, it's a good sign to see. And then JMU, you know, being probably one of the most consistent teams in the state of Virginia, you know, as an athletic department as a whole. 
We're talking to Noah Fleischer from the Daily News Record. I'm sure there's going to be a year where somebody finishes under 500. It's going to happen. It is what it is. But again, it's it's amazing um, that <laughs> in year one they were able to do what they were able to do this past season. You know, the college baseball tournament continuing. Virginia's into the Supers. Um, there are a bunch of games today to get more teams into the Super Regionals. Um, 40 years ago, Jam, you made a slow appearance in the College World Series. You had a chance to kind of look back and write a story about that. I'm sure that was pretty fun to look back and look at some pictures and, 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 and <laughs> the old Rosenblatt Stadium back in Omaha. That was probably a kind of a fun story to write, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, it took about a, a month to kind of track down, to try to track down as many guys on that team as I could. You know, I got like six or seven of them on the phone, and they all had really good stories to tell. And it was fun, and I talked to, you know, Whit Babcock, the athletic director at, at Virginia Tech, whose dad, Brad, was the coach at the time at JMU, probably the most successful, you know, baseball coach at JMU in, in the university's history. Um, so it was, you know, kind of a marquee moment in JMU baseball history so far, just with how, you know, far they were able to go. They didn't get a win there, but they scored a run. They were the only Virginia team to score a run for, you know, you know almost 30-something years until Virginia did it in 2014, um, so for 29 years. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a good thing to see, and it was fun sort of write, especially about these guys kind of looking back on on what their highlight of their you know baseball careers was. What'd you find out about that team that that made them special? They weren't the most talented team by far. They were just a team full of guys, most of them from the state of Virginia. They had a handful from New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but uh, the thing that had it was they were just you know a group of guys that could play well together and, and just ran through conference play they didn't play well in their conference tournament barely got into the NCAA tournament then after that they kind of just said you know what we're playing with house money shouldn't be here let's just have some fun and fun turned into a 4-0 regional and got them into the NCAA tournament obviously or the the college world series obviously a different uh format you know 40 years ago than it is now but heck they they made a play there and they, they saw some guys that are you know future <laughs> MLB Hall of Fame caliber guys you know and then while well, they were down there Gonna say when they that College World Series was, was that was freaking stacked with some big time guys. Yeah, I mean you had Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds. I mean there was you know Chris Sabo at Michigan. There was, I'm gonna forget a lot. Calvin Chiraldi, the guy that Texas threw against them yeah. in, in Game One. It was you know he was the number two guy behind Roger Clemens. They threw him instead, and you know he had a six year you know MLB career. So it just was the level of talent that they were seeing, and you know none of their guys ended up playing you know at the MLB level, and it shows that. Don't need to play at the MLB level to have some fun in college. Yeah, no question. And it was funny to see some of the pictures because of obviously how big it is now. And again, growing up in Nebraska, I went to the College World Series all the time, and the crowds are always huge. Um, there weren't that many people in the crowd. <laughs> it's just it's, that's that's just how it is now. You look at softball, baseball; it's just a much different product than it was back then. Yeah, you might want to take it up with. Uh, we got to call the NCAA then, because you know when I was looking at box scores, the Texas game was estimated nine thousand people in attendance, but the pictures, the Texas <laughs> pictures, there was a lot of empty seats. So uh, huh. I don't know. We might need to reach out and see if they can adjust the uh, attendance accordingly. Well, still uh, nine thousand compared to what they're they're drawing over twenty every time now. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a big, it's still a big difference, no doubt about that. All right, what else are you working on? Anything else before you take off to uh, vacation on the beach? Yeah, I got some baseball stuff coming up today about, you know, Alex Rayburn and, and Mike Roberts, the two new assistants, mm-hmm. and how what, what they were able to do defensively for this JMU team and, you know, put up one of the best defensive numbers in program history. And then I've got something tomorrow with Jaylon Lee and, you know, wrapping up his college career. You know, he spent six years in Harrisonburg, too, mm-hmm. five at EMU and one at JMU. And then uh, uh, maybe some football stuff if we can uh, get that, you know, squared away. And, before I head out, maybe schedule some stuff to go up while I'm gone. There you go. Good stuff. Good stuff as always. 
All right, my man, I appreciate you. Enjoy some time away, but good to catch up with you, and we'll do it again soon. Yes, thank you, Dave.